man, is somebody going to notice? Can somebody please like not see the honor roll kid? Can somebody not see the athlete? Can someone just see me for this kid that's got a dead mom that's broken? Welcome to Men of Abundance, the podcast for those looking to level up their lives by hanging out with some of the greatest leaders and established professionals in our community, living a life of integrity, honor, and the abundance mentality. Prepare to pay it forward with your host, former Army medic turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Wally Carmichael. What's up, what's up, Men of Abundance? I am Wally Carmichael, your founder and host of the Men of Abundance podcast, the Pay It Forward community, proving to you that you can, in fact, live a life of abundance and prosperity in family, faith, finances, and fitness. And I know some of you don't want to hear this, but the fact of the matter is, anything that we do and do well is 80% mindset and 20% strategy. And I can prove this to you time and time again. I can take two of the same exact people with the same exact education in the same exact part of the world, in fact, even in the same neighborhood, and I can give them the exact same strategies to either start a business, manage a business, get their health under control, have better relationships with the people in their lives, no matter what it is, I can give them the same exact strategies and completely leave their mindset to themselves. You will quickly see which one has the more abundant mindset and which one has the scarcity mindset. The good news is the one with an abundance mindset can take this mindset to an even higher level and the one with the scarcity mindset can start developing an abundance mindset but it takes work on both of the accounts and you have to want to get out of your own way. You know, I was recently asked, what part of the sales process do you find most challenging? And this was in reference to my own business. And what I find most challenging about the sales part of my own business is encouraging potential clients, prospects, to get out of their own ego, to get out of their own way. Most entrepreneurs and business owners are conditioned to do everything for themselves. And many of them feel that others are just out to get them. Everything's a scam. And while there are scammers out there, there are many more people out there who want the best for you, your family, and your business. I personally know many of them because they're helping me and my family and my business, and I proudly say that I include myself in that group of people. Just in case you didn't know, I am a business and life strategist, and the more I get the opportunity to work with business owners, I get to see just how important this work is. You know, it's one of those things you don't know what you don't know, and what you don't know is truly hurting you, I am telling you, every single business owner that I get a chance to talk to have never considered the strategies that I present to them. Some of them even push back because they've been conditioned to think a completely different way. But once we implement these strategies in their business, as well as in their mindset, and they start seeing the tangible results in their life and in their business, well, then they start asking for more. I share some of these strategies in my new podcast, Abundance and Prosperity Business Mastery, and on the YouTube channel as well as on Facebook. Take your pick. I'll put all the links down in the show notes so that you can pick the platform that you like best. So listen guys, today's conversation is a very in-depth and very intriguing conversation. You are definitely going to want to listen in closely and may want to listen to this a second time. Others will too, so make sure you share this episode and all other episodes of Men of Abundance with others in your circle. Put it out on Twitter, Facebook, 
Instagram, you name it, wherever you're at, sending it in an email and just talk to people, have a conversation with people. And during that conversation, say, hey, by the way, have you ever listened to the Men of Abundance podcast? What? You don't even know what a podcast is? I'm going to introduce you to your first podcast. They're going to remember you forever. I personally thank you and they will too. Now, our featured guest today is an Emmy-nominated Los Angeles-based television producer who has been asked to speak around the country, educating and encouraging high school and college students through energy, entertainment, and unforgettable storytelling. You can find more about him, and I encourage that you do, by visiting philipandrew.co. I'll have that in the show notes, so don't worry about writing it down. Men of Abundance, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Philip Andrew. Philip, welcome to Men of Abundance, brother. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, man. Thank you very much for having me on today. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Where are you at in the world? Uh, I am in Los Angeles, California. It is uh, 60 degrees, so for us, that is a freezing cold day. Um, it is early in the morning, but uh, it should be should be getting nice, and palm trees are swaying, and uh, the sun is shining. Wonderful. Absolutely beautiful, man. You paint a beautiful picture there. I'm out here in Florida and pretty much about the same weather, a little bit slightly warmer at this point. Uh, still, uh, we're a little bit later in the morning than you are. Yeah, uh, I, but, uh, I, was, I was just in uh, I was just in Florida a little while ago, a few weeks ago. My uh, So I'm originally from Detroit. And mm-hmm. so I've been in California for 10 years now, but my family all still lives in Detroit. And this was the first year that my father and my stepmother decided to do the snowbird thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they left the uh, Michigan winter. They head down to, I think they were in Palm Coast, Florida, which in between, just in between uh, Orlando and Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. And uh, they got the, man, they had a blast. They were, you know, I was, I, I caught up with them while they were down on vacation and they were saying, uh, how quickly can we sell our house in Michigan and move to Florida? <laughs> Exactly. I know. There's a. It's like everybody I run into here in Florida, and I've only been here a year, uh, almost a year. Is they most of them are from New York or you know back east somewhere, mm-hmm. uh, Chicago, you know Philadelphia, stuff like that. So yeah, the winters are just those winters are brutal, and I think they just get more and more brutal as you get older and older. And it's like, and I think all it takes is one time going somewhere that doesn't have to deal with it. And you're like, wait, what am I doing? What am I doing yeah. here? Hey, hey, and no offense yeah. to anyone that's listening that's in a that's in a cold weather state, you know, but I, I I can't handle that shoveling snow and having to warm the car up before I go to work. Exactly. Some people dig it, man, but I'm originally from Phoenix, Arizona. So but I've lived in Germany and you know and and just slept in the snow. I mean, I woke up I lived literally lived in the snow for months on end. So and I've lived in the jungles too. So I'll take the heat over the cold any day. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to send out some love to Evan Money, man. That yes. cat has uh, sent me more amazing people to have conversations with than, you know, I have some agencies that send me, as we were talking pre show, I have some agencies that send me some amazing guests. But of any one individual that's introduced me to some of the most amazing people, it's Evan Money, man. So how do you know Evan? Um, you know, Evan and I, you know, we got connected through, uh, you know, I belong, I have a men's group here in Los Angeles that I belong to. And I think Evan came and actually spoke to a group. And, but oddly enough, he spoke at a one of our events where I wasn't able to attend. So it ended up being I didn't even get to see Evan in action and doing his thing. It ended up being, you know, some of our guys, they know me. They know what I'm about. They know, you know, they met Evan. And they're like, man, we just got to connect you guys. And I think, you know, Evan has such a 
his personality and his vibe and his energy is just so, uh, you, you, it just automatically feels different at times. You know, when, when he comes in a room, like it just, he, he operates in a different, in a different uh, way, just with his energy and mm-hmm. how much he cares for other people. And, and so we really connected and, um, and yeah, so I think we've been connected for, and, and to be honest, I think he probably set us up together almost probably a month after I had even met Evan. I mean, he's so, he's, you know, he's one of those guys that, you know, I think that I try to, to steal a little bit of him in that way of like, just making the connections, setting people up, let just putting the, putting it out there and making things happen rather than, um, you know, so many times there's individuals in, you know, in, in business and in just normal everyday life that are, it's kind of always this like, well, wait, how long do I need to wait to before, before I can, start pushing these people or introducing people or I need to really know who this is or, and Evan's just like, Hey, I'm connecting people. You guys figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you guys want to work together, cool. If not, not a problem, but I'll at least he'll, he'll send the email. And I think yeah. that's really, uh, I think that's a really cool thing. And he lets other people figure it out before he tries to be, he doesn't try to be the matchmaker. He's like, Hey, here you go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. I, I'm telling you, not everybody that comes on the show says that they'll introduce me to other people, but there's two people that I can mention that I know. I mean, they said, I'm going to introduce you to this guy. And one was Evan and the other one was Jesse Cole. Uh, Jesse is the owner of the Savannah Bananas and another uh, okay. baseball team. Uh, Savannah Bananas out in uh, um, Georgia and Savannah. And I mean, literally immediately, like Jesse introduced me to um, Lee Cockerell, the uh, former uh, chief of operations, or I think he's vice president of operations at Disney World wow. Resorts, and had just a huge, just amazing. But Evan, like literally right after our conversation, I think even before we hung up, he had me connected with like eight people. <laughs> and, and and over the last couple of years, uh, last year or so, since him and I first got introduced, he's just introduced me to some amazing people. And to watch him wears me out. Oh man, it's, I, I need to rest. I need like I'll, we have to schedule coffee, and it's like you know only an hour, Evan. I can only give you an hour because yeah. I'm just we're just exhausted, you know. And I think you know the funny thing for both me, me and him, we 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 both are pretty high energy guys. So it's like we can start kind of get like start feeding off each other's energy, and then I feel like we're just you know it becomes the conversation becomes so big and so animated and so ridiculous. I'm sure. People at you know, people at uh, the seats next to us are wondering like, man, what kind of coffee did these guys order? It's not the coffee, man. I assure mm-hmm. you, but it's awesome, man. You know, I like to start the conversation other than what we've already talked about, man, with an attitude of gratitude, brother. What do you have to be grateful for today? Oh man, T- today, you know, I I'm, I always try to do a gratitude list every day, um, and, and today it's just you know what? I'm grateful that I got people in my life, you know, like Evan that that want to connect. I'm grateful for you know the ability to. This is so fantastic. I mean, I think it's so easy to take the internet for granted, but the fact that we're able to be here and we can, you know, communicate with one another, you know, meeting new people. Um, you know, last night I had, uh, I had the opportunity. I, I sat down and, you know, caught up with a buddy of mine and we just sat by the fire down at, you know, along, he just bought a new place near the beach and we're just sitting there watching the waves come in, talking life, you know, and just, I feel very grateful for it, for the people that I have in my life today. Yeah, that's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And we just mentioned a couple of them for sure. So listen, you know, we was talking about high energy and you are definitely high energy. I watched a couple of your videos <laughs> and anybody who can get in front of a, a group of high school kids uh, and keep them attentive and get them involved 
my hat's off to you, man. Absolutely love that. And aside of that, and, and before we got started here, I talked about some of your professional stuff and what you do and how you do it. But if you could, we like to get a little bit more personal here on Men of Abundance and to get to really know the man behind the abundance. So if you could, how would you describe yourself? Oh, definitely. So uh, I'll start with the, the the simple log line of, you know, so I am a, I'm a, I'm a television producer that lives in Los Angeles. Um, I also am a, a speaker, as you kind of alluded to, and, um, and I do coaching. And, you know, for me, I've, I've always loved entertainment. You know, entertainment was always something that I was very, very big in. And even from a young age, I kind of always knew that, you know, California was part of the dream of wanting to move out. You know, I didn't know exactly what that meant. I didn't know if that was TV, movies or, you know, radio or what I was going to get into. But I just knew I loved entertainment. and I wanted to get involved in that. And, you know, so for me, a big part of my, you know, my story is I went to Michigan State University. I studied TV and film, uh, moved out to L.A. and got that all going. Um, but where a lot of my where a lot of my speaking kind of comes from is, uh, you know, I, I love TV and I love that whole world, but I'm a recovery guy. So I've been sober for a little over 11 years now. And for me growing up, um, substance abuse was a, a pretty significant issue for me uh, in my you know middle school years and my high school years into college. And, you know, it was a lot of the same stuff that a lot of kids deal with, right? Like the, you know, the insecurity, the, am I good enough, funny enough, smart enough, all those good things that kind of compacted. And then when I was in high school, uh, my mother was diagnosed with cancer and had a year long battle with that. She passed away. So I think for me, it was like, I had kind of started developing these, these ideas of, I thought that drinking was the answer at a young age. And then I have this, you know, the issue, my mother passes away. And so I thought that alcohol was the reason. So, you know, on a long enough timeline, it ended up kind of, you know, 18 was arrested, 19 was arrested, 20 was arrested, got again, got arrested again at 22, all for alcohol related things. And those were, those were really monumental moments in shaping who I was, because I felt like, you know, here I was this kid that's always kind of been the high energy kid, always loved entertainment. And then I had something that was getting in the way and was destroying all of that you know, was really getting in and holding me back from who I feel like I was really meant to be. And, you know, luckily the state of Michigan has laws against drinking and driving. And uh, the cop found me that day and and set me straight. And, you know, from then on, it was, uh, you know, I got really into the recovery community. I started to really understand who I was, why I did the things that I did. And so that was kind of a little bit, I mean, that's the, that's the quick version, right? So then I, you know, I, I, I got into sobriety uh, and we can obviously dive into more about that. But then that's kind of kickstarted everything about getting out to Los Angeles, diving into entertainment. And, and the nice thing is I feel like getting to L.A., man, I would have been a train wreck. I would have been an absolute train wreck had I got to Los Angeles when I still had my drinking problem. You know, I was one of those kids that was still making the honor roll. You know, I was still a captain of the football team and, and doing those things. So I think for me, it really was preventing me or like I didn't have, um, I was still able to kind of show up and perform in certain areas of my life. I was still able to be successful in certain areas of my life. And I, I think it would have really been such a, such a travesty if I got in LA and gotten away from home and gotten away from family and, and not had a little bit of the structure. Um, so I don't know that I think I'm just, I keep looking at the word gratitude that I have written down. And and that's just always how I really feel about a, a big part of my story is I know I kind of wrapped it up there in a, 
uh, jumped around a little bit and kind of wrapped it on a bow. So one of the questions that I have is, or comments really, and I'd like for you to expand on this is, you know, we, we see the kids that are, you know, behind the school, out in the school parking lot, if you will, smoking cigarettes, smoking dope, doing a few lines here and there, whatever they're doing, you know, taking a, taking a sip out of that bottle. Um, and we see those kids and we see them, you know, they're the stoners. And, you know, I was in that category growing up and I was also with the jocks and, you know, I was all over the place in high school. My point is, as we see those kids that you just kind of go, yeah, they're the stoners, whatever. They're not going to amount to much. They surprise the hell out of you, by the way. Um, some, many of them do. Uh, I certainly surprise a lot of people. <laughs> um, but you see the kids that the, this, the captain of the, of the, uh, football team, you know, captain of the baseball team, you know, got doing all the right things, great grades in school. And then all of a sudden, they get in an alcohol-related vehicle accident, commit suicide, you know, whatever the case may be. My point is, you see the kids that seem to have it all squared away, and many times in my experience, even in high school, I knew that those kids were the most screwed-up kids in many cases because they were hiding what was going on in their life back home, their home issues, their home situation. And those are the ones that aren't getting the help. Nobody's reaching out to them because they seem to have it all squared away. Thoughts? Oh, I think there's a lot of accuracy to that. I think, you know, for me, such a big, such a big uh, thing that I had to recognize was that, that mask, you know, the mask that I was putting on every single day, you know, the, you know, my father's actually a retired police chief. So the cop's kid mask, you know, my mother was involved in school board before she was so it was like, I'm the school I'm the school board member's kid, I'm the cop's kid, I'm the good athlete, I need to be the poster child. Like I had created these ideas of who I thought I needed to be. And so I had this image of who Philip was, and then I had who I really felt I was deep down. And the 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 farther and farther and farther apart that those things became, the more frustrated and alone and lonely and misunderstood I felt. And so this gap was just building. And then there was, you know, and then, you know, it, it's kind of this weird thing of even you end up, you know, you become, and I think a lot of kids, you become a high achiever because, you know, out of a, you loved the attention you got from it when you were a little kid, you liked doing well and you liked seeing your parents happy and all these things. And so then you almost become you like almost low key addicted to having that, you know, emotional response being given back to you. And, So it was like an interesting thing where I had, you know, that mask was just building and then, but it got so far enough away from who I really felt that even when you would get a compliment after a while, it was like, ah, well, you say that, but you're saying that to this image I've given you. You're you're complimenting the image. You're not complimenting really me, you know? And then, you know, if you really knew who I was, if you really knew the thoughts that I had, because as a kid, you're not sharing this with people. I think that's the mm-hmm. that's the big thing is you're not having this type of a conversation with other people. So it lives in your head. And I don't know for you know for you or your listeners, but like crazy stuff happens in my head. Man. Like yeah, it can get crazy up there. And oh, yeah. <laughs> so I think that that was. But so there was no feedback, and then you're in the echo chamber of yourself, and it's just this loop of of the weird thoughts. And I think that was kind of for me. It was you know I just I, I started to really feel. Um, you know, alone. And, and then I would like distract myself with the, you know, with the fun of, you know, growing up and and going to parties or doing this and hanging out with, you know, 
friends or girls or whatever, and it, or, or acting out, you know, a big thing for me, I always got a joke. I, I, you know, I grew up when, you know, American pie was really popular. I mm-hmm. like desperately wanted to be stiffler. Like I wanted to be right, that no guy, way. you know, <laughs> that's who I wanted to be. And, um, and so it was like one of those things where I wanted to be the wild one. I wanted to be the crazy guy. I wanted to be the, you know, the one that would just do wild things. And, you know, the truth is I, I just wanted, there was such a, a part of me that wanted to be known, wanted to be seen, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, I used to have this, uh, you know, this thing where I would, you know, drinking, driving was my thing. I, 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 I did it all of the time. And, uh, and just so you guys know, this isn't a story I tell to the kids. I don't try to implant any ideas, but you know, for me, we're all adults here. And so I had a, you know, there was a strip of road, um, where I lived and it was a, uh, you know, just normal neighborhood, neighborhood I grew up in. And there was one road and it was about like 0.7 miles and from one stop sign until the end of the road. And it was probably four or five stop signs. And I used to get to this stop sign at like, you know, two o'clock, two thirty-three in the morning, coming home from the bar. And I would just gun it all the way to the end to see how fast I could get the car, like just absolute reckless behavior. And obviously it's not something that I recognized in the moment, right? When I'm doing it, I'm intoxicated. And also I'm young and I think I'm just being young and wild. And this is what crazy young kids do and wanting to fit that mold. But the truth is I, there was a part of me that desperately wanted to get in trouble because it was almost as if, you know, my, you know, my, my way of dealing with things was just to get on moving and act as if I was fine. You know, my mother got sick and I, t- I embraced that idea of, hey, well, yeah, hey, people die. It happens. Oh, yeah. Hey, thank Appreciate it. You know, yeah, no, I get it, man. People die. Cancer happens. You know, whatever. You move on. But I never processed it. I never really grieved it. So I had all this pain and this anger and this frustration and this sadness built up behind me that I didn't actually know at 16, 17, 18 years old how to be able to properly communicate what I was feeling. So it ended up acting out in some of these, you know, these wild, you know, uh, activities that I did. And so I would do that all the t- all the time. And like I said, there was that moment of just like, I just want to be seen as being broken. Like, can someone recognize that I'm broken and that I'm hurt and I'm angry and I'm sad and I don't want, I just, I'm so I had so much emotion. And so I think there was a lot of the elements of those acting out was just, man, is somebody going to notice? Can somebody please like not see the honor roll kid? Can somebody not see the athlete? Can someone just see me for this kid that's got a dead mom that's broken? You know, and I think, um, but I didn't have, I didn't have the, the maturity, the coping skills, the, the ability, the strength to be able to just say those things. And, you know, it's why I kind of always say I'm actually very grateful that the way where I turned was alcohol because it was a because of the activities I was doing, it was an obvious banging the head against the wall. It started to become very apparent to everyone else in my life, my friends, my family, that something was wrong, right? It took a little bit of time, but it, you know, when you're getting arrested and you're, you know, you're getting into fights and you're being hospitalized and, and when these things are happening, people start to notice and it, you can't hide it as quickly. And so I'm really glad that the way that my issues kind of manifested was for me using alcohol because it could have been a lot of other ways that aren't, aren't as easily detectable. You know, and and so I'm glad that I was able to get that 
get the attention that I needed, uh, you know, given that it was from the state of Michigan and in the legal system at first. Um, but then getting into recovery and really being able to process the, the anger, the hurt, the pain, the sadness. Um, and so I'm very, I'm very grateful for the journey. I wish I, you know, I wish I didn't have to, I wish I didn't have to hit all those things for it to have set in, but I'm, I'm very glad that it did. Well, I'm just, I'm, and personally, I'm grateful that, you know, you came out through it on top uh, because many kids don't. Yeah. Uh, I know many of my friends growing up, it just didn't work out that way. Uh, and Tony Robbins, if you follow Tony Robbins, he has the, he talks about the seven basic needs and significance mm-hmm. is right up there at the top. And, everybody gets significance in their own way. And that's how you were seeking out significance was uh, to get in trouble, to try to get the attention and let people know that, you know, you are broken. Yeah. And you wanted to, you didn't necessarily want to be identified as a broken person other than the fact that you just wanted to somebody identify it to get the help that you need. Oh, totally. How you needed. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I actually just got a chance to, I just got a chance to uh, meet Tony at, that he did a uh, about a month ago. He had his his and or had one of his big uh, events, the um, Unleash the Power Within here in Los Angeles. I got a chance to go, and uh, it was very cool, man. And there's so much great, powerful stuff in there. Um, and I don't, I, I kind of jumped off there just for a second, but <laughs> you know, getting getting back to this, getting back. To yeah, this I story. went to UPW back in November, and okay. I had the opportunity to sit down there right by the stage. I mean, like, you want to talk about a guy with some energy. <laughs> for just hours up there. Yeah, that goes and yeah, just an amazing individual, a lot of energy. So, you know, you you brought up a couple pretty serious kick in the gut moments there. You know, your the passing of your mom, living through the cancer in itself is a kick in the gut moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and some other events that occurred in your life. Is there any other specific kick in the gut moment that you would like to share with us on your journey as you started doing what you're doing and then we're going to transition into what it is specifically that you're doing right now. And what is your message that you're giving to these kids? I mean, yeah, like I, I, when I think of like the biggest, you know, kick in the gut, I mean, it definitely, I feel like was the, you know, the, you know, dealing with my mother and, you know, her passing and, and those things. And uh, here's the thing. Those are very significant moments. So we obviously talk about big moments, but I think sometimes the kick in the guts can be these small little moments where, um, you know, for me, I guess I always kind of drew a line. Like there was this weird line that I was able to draw from when I got sober, right? So when I got sober at 23 years old, um, I could kind you of you started ur- drinking when you're like 11, right? Yeah, I started drinking at 11, probably pretty. I mean, pretty recklessly from the jump. You know, not in the frequency, but like in the being 11 years old, getting drunk at parties with older friends, and um, and then so I started drinking young. I think, oh, so I kind of was able to draw that line of when I got sober and I could say, man, I did a lot of really bad things I'm not proud of, but that was an old me. I'm new now. I need to start moving forward in this way. What started to become difficult was I could forgive a lot of the really evil things I did when I was drinking. I was a very mean guy when I would drink, very disrespectful, wanted to put people down. I was just not a good dude. It was then... Once learning and becoming, trying to become a better man and, and, and learning more about myself and, try, and creating new ideas of like who I wanted to be and what, falling short as I've gotten older have been moments that have felt like, man, are you still dealing with this? 
Like, why is this still here? You know, I had, there was one time I remember there was a, I was at a, a, a rehab facility um, and there was an AA meeting at, at the rehab facility. So I go to this recovery meeting and, and, you know, go through the meeting and everything's fine. And then ended up talking with this guy and he's about 29 years old at the time. This is probably five or six years ago. And he's 29 and he, he's at the meeting and he says, you know what? I'm wearing everything I own. I slept on the street last night and I'm here because I, I can't do this anymore. I want to get into this rehab facility. And like the desperation that he had, it was like, you know, me, a couple other guys, we, we kind of rallied around him and we're giving him some advice and talking with him. A couple, a couple guys got some money together to get him a hotel room if they couldn't get him in the rehab that night. And, and, and so we talked to him for about 20 minutes and just tried to encourage this guy. So I'm walking back to my car and I, and then all of a sudden it dawns on me like that I, I always had like an emergency bag of clothes in my car. Like, and not anything great, but like, you know, some shoes, some socks, you know, shirts, underwear, all this stuff. And I go, I'm going to give this guy some of this stuff. So I, I put all this stuff into a bag. I walk back to him. I just walk up to him. I go, Hey man, like there's people that are here for you. There's people that want to love you. Like just stick with it. And I gave him a hug and I start walking away. And, and I feel, you know, you feel it amazing doing an act like that for someone. And that feeling lasted for about 35 seconds as I walked back to my car. And the voice inside of my head immediately started saying, oh, really, Phil? You think you're special? Why? Because you gave him some old clothes? Oh, you're gloating? You feel good? Because what? Because you gave him, like, you you didn't give him, you could have gave him more. You you didn't give him any money. Like, what's wrong with you that you think you're, and, and it really freaked me out. And it really messed with me that I, you know, and I had a moment where I was like, man, is my, is, and I'm already, you know, a few years sober at this point. And I'm like, man, is my brain so wired for negativity that it will hunt out and want to seek problems, you know? And it really, it, it really messed me up for a bit. And I remember going home and I, I told my ex-girlfriend at the time, or we were dating and but now an ex. And, and I remember she did say something very, very profound. And she goes, Hey, told her the story. And, and, you know, my, my sister, my sister's name is Carol Ann. And so my, my girlfriend at the time, she goes, you know, Phil, if your sister called you, if Carol Ann called you and told you that story, would you ever have had that response to her? Would you, what would you have said to her? And I was like, I would have told her that it was great that she did that and that, you know, I'm proud of her for doing it. She goes, so what in the world thinks, what in the world gives you the right to be so mean to yourself and to hold yourself to some stand, like, who are you trying to be? And it really was this moment where I was like, man, who am I trying to like, what is the standard I'm trying to hold myself to this perfectionism, you know? And I think that that was one of the, the moments where I realized that, you know, I, I've always been a kid that was obsessed with perfection and perfectionism and which it really just stems from insecurity and wanting to, you know, wanting to do everything right and not never wanting to fail. And so that was, you know, that was one of those stories that, kind of became a, 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 a turning point in a lot of ways, or at least it's a story that I can re- go back and lean on when I start doing that, cons- you know, in my life now where I start, man, you, you know, Phil, what are you doing? You should be doing better. Or, you know, like you should have handled that a different way or, you know, and sure we always have to like be looking at ourselves and how can we learn and how can we grow? Um, but it also, I have to remind myself like, yo dude, be cool to yourself. 
Like don't, don't hold, don't be, don't be rude. Don't be mean. Don't, don't try to hold yourself to some standard that's impossible to maintain. Like at the end of the day, you're a human, you know? And I, I've said that many times. One of the, one of the biggest frustrations of my life is, is the realization that I'm not superhuman. Like I want to be superhuman so bad. I want to be a superhero and be perfect all the time so badly that I get frustrated that I'm just a normal guy. Um, and uh, so I don't know if that's another kick in the moment, but it is or kick in the gut moment, but it's definitely a moment that, that sticks out for me that I need to remind myself to like, be cool to yourself, man. Offer some grace, you know? I dig it, man. It, it, while you're telling that story, I was reflecting on my own experiences in, in that regard. And it's just proof guys that listen, we're all on our journey. Even those of us that are out there sharing our message, trying to lift others up. Many times when I'm talking to somebody else, it's like I'm talking to myself. It's reminding myself because that's one of the reasons why I like to share these conversations. And I like to kind of coach and teach others that want to be coached and taught because it's talking to myself as well. Same thing when I was doing health and fitness, when I was out helping other people get healthy and fit, that was when I was the most healthy and fit because I was out there trying to be that example, you know, and, and, uh, and keeping myself reminded of how important it is to be, to stay moving and eating healthy. I think there's a, you know, it's interesting that, and I think we even kind of, you know, joked about this, you know, earlier about like, man, are we all saying the same thing? There's so many, so many guys that are doing things Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's great that we're sharing the same info, but, you know, what I've, what I've definitely learned in, in one of the great quotes of, uh, in, in the rooms of recovery is this idea that, you know, you, t- you can't take a, you, you don't get to take a shower on Monday, be clean all week, mm-hmm. you know, and I have to remind myself of that, that like I can be in a great mindset Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, but if I'm not continually doing the things that I need to do to keep my mindset strong. I can slip back into being these egotistical, self-centered, little entitled kid, you know, so quickly. And, you know, I think, we, you know, we see it a lot of times with, um, you know, exactly like with what I kind of even mentioned, like people will get, you know, they'll get clean, they'll get sober, and then they'll be, you know, they'll be riding the high of how great life is getting and because they're out of the, the craziness of it. And then life kind of mellows out. And then, and then people can get like eight, nine months a year. And they're like, wait a minute, why do I still have problems? Why, wait, why am I, I, I I did this thing. And it's like, yeah, but there was no guarantee that just getting sober was going to fix every problem you ever, because the world, the life keeps coming. And I think that happens. We do that a lot of times. Like, oh, well, once I, once I get married, life's going to be a breeze. Or once I get this new job, or once I get this new promotion, or once, once this one thing happens, I'm going to be clean on the other side forever. And it's like, I don't know, like to me, I don't think that door exists. I've yet to find the door. I've yet to meet anyone who's walked through that door. You know, we, we need constant, um, which is why I think it's so important for us to, like for you, you do this interview and you, and you are out there and you're teaching and you're learning, you're in the work and it keeps you sharp. You know, it keeps you very sharp because you're, you've made the decision to surround yourself with the type of information and the type of people that help do that. And I think that's a, it's such a amazing lesson for all of us to like, who are we surrounding ourselves with? You know, we need to be surrounding ourselves with the people that, that help us grow and can continue to, you know, like those, almost, I guess you could call them like our shower people 
who's who's our people that who are the people in our world that that keep us clean and we can help keep them clean you know it's funny you say that because literally some of the stuff that I listen to I listen to in the shower <laughs> no way oh my goodness I think I think that's what it is I take my phone in there and I'm listening to Tony Robbins or I'm listening right. to one of my other mentors and uh, Carl Bryan or you name it you know I'm always learning something but I love that I, and I'm in a situation where you know I'm I turned fifty in a couple of weeks and I'm I. I'm retired. I could not do anything, but totally. I just choose not to because I I personally know from experience that an idle body just dies yeah. quick and, and an idle mind goes to places you don't want it to go. So <laughs> I'm making sure I know where it's going and sticking around the people that I want to be around like you. So how are you paying it forward, brother? I mean, I know you got all this professional stuff going on, but what really intrigues me about reading your story and seeing what you're doing is lifting up our youth. And it's not an easy thing to do, but it's so darn important. Oh, totally. And, um, you know, I, I give back in, you know, I think that the, the speaking, I, I do speaking with middle school kids, high school kids and college kids. And it's, <clears throat> excuse me, it is such a, I, I feel so drawn to to them, you know, I speak at, you know, I also speak in the LA County jail system to inmates, you know, specifically people that are in there, you know, substance abuse issues. Um, and I love doing that too. I, I love connecting with those guys because it's people that often get cast aside by society. You know, I look at myself and I realize how lucky I've been with, you know, gotten in trouble a bunch of times and still been able to get out and not have any serious repercussions of, you know, from a legal matter behind me. But, but with the kids, it's, for me, I was in, you know, one of the reasons that I'm so passionate about talking to middle school kids and high school kids and in and, and college is, is those were the ages where I was really in the middle of a lot of my, uh, you know, a lot of my confusion, a lot of my pain. And I, I kind of almost had a moment where I was like, man, I actually was doing a podcast once and somebody asked me, it was a business podcast. And somebody asked me, hey, what's the advice you would have for the 18 year old you? And as I started to answer it, I actually kind of teared up a little bit. And it was just the idea that, you know, I would want me to know that, like, I was loved and that I was enough and that I, and that I, I was going to be okay. And, and, you know, the funny thing is I had people in my world that told me those things, but I think there was, there was just something about not really believing it or not feeling, having it hit home for me. And so I really, that's one of the big messages when I talk to kids is wanting them to know that they have an outlet, that they have an ability to really communicate, really talk. Um, and, and I think one of the, you know, we always hear this, right? Parents and, and teachers, they always, hey, you know, hey, Phil, if you need, you know, if you need anything, you let me know. Hey, if, hey, if you're, you know, I, I know this is a tough time. Like, if you need to talk, let me know. And you, and as adults, we intellectually think that that's enough. Like we think we, oh, well, hey, we, we didn't want to push on them. We let, we opened the door. We made it comfortable for them. Like if they want to talk, they'll talk. Right. And I've kind of come to learn that like, that's not enough. What we have to do is it's not enough to tell someone, especially a kid. It's not enough to tell a kid, Hey, you need to be authentic or you, you can be vulnerable or, Hey, you can be transparent. We as adults need to be able to model that behavior to kids. We need to show kids what that looks like. So that's what I always kind of talk with adults about, as well as what I talk with the kids about. Like if I just got up there and said, Hey kids, 
you guys should have, you know, like I'm a TV producer. And if you want to have a great life, storytelling is the key. So tell your stories, have fun guys. And then I left Mm -hmm. and I told some cool, fun story like, okay, maybe a kid might get interested in TV, maybe, but like, that's not what I care about. The message is much more like, Hey, you guys, I'm going to get up here and we're going to have fun, but then I'm going to take a serious 10 minutes and I'm going to tell you my story and I'm going to allow you to see what vulnerability looks like. You know, I'm going to allow you to see what authenticity looks like. I'm going to sit up here and I'm going to have a talk and I'm going to be real with you guys. And it's not, you're not talking to the TV producer. You're not talking to some guy in LA that gets to, you know, produced shows and no celebrities and blah, blah, blah. Like you're just looking at a guy and I'm going to be real with you because this is what being real looks like guys. And it's like, that's how we should, that's how we teach kids to be able to do that. We, we model the behavior that we want them to, to learn. And I mean, I, I, some of the, you know, the best things are, you know, I love being up there and having fun with the kids, but like I had one, one talk I did last year at a high school and, you know, the kids, you know, some kids afterward, the kids will run up and they want to take photos. They want to take selfies, right. They, and that's all good and that's fun. Mm -hmm. And, but I was at one school and there was a lineup of about eight or 10 kids that were like at the very end of line after all the photos. And, and they were just some kids that I could tell were really going through stuff, you know, and I took a moment and kind of heard them out, listened to them and gave them a little bit of advice and told them who to go connect with now, you know, connecting them with teachers and, and principals. And, and the principal walked up to me afterward and she gave me just a huge hug. And, and she goes, she goes, I don't, you, she goes there, you have no way of knowing that. She goes, but those last, like those last 10 kids, that's the who's who of detention. Hmm. Like those are our roughest kids. Those are the kids that we just, we don't know what to do with. We don't know how to reach them. You know, and uh, man, I'm, <laughs> dude, I'm getting emotional thinking about that. Yeah, I, really I can't. I can too. I really, I really um, can because yeah. I just know that impact. Uh, I'm not yeah. going to even know how and why, but I just, I seriously know that impact. And you know, you're right when we were talking about earlier how so many of us are talking about the same things, but it's that one person that finally gets through to them because Barbara, totally. um, one of the videos that's on your site, uh, by the way, philipandrew.co. She hit it not right on the head. You know, she says the same thing you say. She tells yep. them the same words you tell them, but it's coming from you in a different way. They see her differently than they see you, yeah. than an outside source. And you're a little bit closer to their age, uh, and you've got experiences, and you got vulnerable. I doubt that she gets vulnerable with them. Yeah, and and, and there's certain yeah there's certain things that I can go in and say as a stranger that they're just not able to do as teachers and as administrators, you know? And, and I think that that's a, um, and, and, you know, I also, you know, we learned this in advertising, right? Like maybe you need to, you might have to see that billboard 10 times before you recognize it, you know, and before you ever really see that ad. And so it's like, I feel that way. Like, even if, you know, even if the things that I say, or like, even if I'm just one time of, 10 times that a kid needs to hear the message. Like I'm doing my part by being one of the 10, you know? And it's like, that's what we're all doing. We're all out here doing our part to be able to just be there for, for other people and, and be service oriented. And I think that that's such a, um, 
you know, being able to give that back is such a, a key to, to living a, or at least for me, you know, service and gratitude are pillars, pillars of my life, you know, and I can, I can normally trace anytime I'm not, anytime I'm feeling off, it's normally out of a, a lack of one or two of those things. Service and gratitude are so key. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one more thing on the dynamics between the, the professional, the teacher and the students is, um, I remember back in high school, some of the teachers that I was able to open up to, one or two actually, were the ones that were really personal, the ones that were really close. And I recently, I watched TikTok. Uh, I admit it. I'm not ashamed of it. Uh, <laughs> I like to watch the skits and stuff like that. But lately they've been, they've had this new trend that these students are going around, walking around in high school and they're saying, Hey, Bob, what's going on, Carol? You know, and they're calling their teachers by their first names. Yeah. And the responses from these teachers are like, really? Or do you want detention? You know, type of thing. Like, you don't talk to me like that. And it, to me, it, it, they think it's an authority figure and they're placing themselves on this kind of pedestal, if you will, or saying, you know, you don't talk to me like that. We don't have that relationship where I kind of think they should have that relationship because they're with these kids eight hours a day. You know, yeah. six, what, six, eight hours a day, whatever. Some of them more than that because they're staying after. And doing these activities. So yeah, it's, it's a weird dynamic, but it is cool that you're able to go in there and, and really connect with them and have that impact like you do. Yeah, it's, it, it is, it's a, it's a great honor. Um, it, it's a great honor anytime to be able to just, you know, connect with kids and tell them some fun stories and, and break up the day and then drop some, you know, drop some knowledge and, and showcase the authenticity and vulnerability. And um, I'll tell you what, man, it, you know, it, we hear we hear it all the time, but it's like sometimes, you know, I I know it sounds selfish, but I get more out of it sometimes. <laughs> you know, they do because it's it, it helps it helps keep me, you know, it helps keep me it keeps me sober, it keeps me mm-hmm. in in a good frame of mind, it keeps in a, you know, and it keeps me remembering what's important. Yeah. Yeah, no. For whatever reason that you do what you do, it's it, even if it is for a selfish reason and it's providing and, and paying it forward to others, I'm all for it, man. Yeah. I'm all for it. So, brother, speaking of paying it forward, at this point, we are going to pay it forward to our abundant leaders. And what I would like for you to do, I'm going to ask you a few key questions, and I'd like for you to address this. Kind of many of our listeners, we have basically an even between men and women, but the age is a little bit, you know, all over the place, but many of our listeners have kids. Mm-hmm. And so kind of have that in mind when you're answering some of these questions sure. I'm going to ask out. So if you would share one to three actionable steps that men of abundance can take today. You know, we, we, <clears throat> we kind of talked uh, about a couple of these things. Um, I think one of the first things that we can do is, you know, making the gratitude list an absolute not making it a once in a while thing, like making that an everyday thing. Um, and, and for the parents, like bringing that to your kids, like gratitude ends up being a skill that you get better at. Like anything else, the more and more, the more and more that you focus on the things that you're grateful for, the more things you find to be grateful for. It really works that way. And if, if that's a, such a gift to be able to hand to, to our youth of teaching them how to, look at things in a way and be truly grateful for them and not taking them for granted and not look overlooking the importance of them. Being able to find gratitude in those small moments is key. So I would always say, you know, number one, you know, make a list, a gratitude list of five, five items or less or five items or more. Um, 
I think building a team, you know, parenting is hard. It is not easy. And building, you know, having a team of other parents, of other people that you can rely on and talk about the issues that you're going through with your kids, um, that you can bounce ideas off of. And it's not about like mimicking everyone's parenting style, uh, but it's also about being, you know, being willing to learn, uh, being open to ways, you know, what, what worked with your son or what worked with this. Uh, the, the days of, you know, the days of putting your head in the sand and saying, oh, well, that's not a problem here. Like, I don't, your kid might be the best kid out there. He's going to school with kids that are dealing with divorced parents, that are dealing with death of parents, um, that are, you know, I, I saw something where it was like the, of all of the, all of the kids, it was something crazy. I can't remember the statistic, but over a hundred thousand kids, maybe um, there has a, has a sibling die or that many kids die every year. Like, you know, kids in those age ranges mm-hmm. and the 85% of the kids had a sibling. So you have a lot of kids that lose a, lose a, lose a loved one. You know, uh, I got a little lost there with that statistic, but it's, I th- it's, you know, building that team and understanding that uh, there are kids like the kids that your kids are going to school with may be going through stuff. They may start experimenting with drugs, with alcohol, with sex, with pills, with pornography, whatever it ends up being. And it's like, Putting your head in the sand and acting, oh, well, my kid is fine. Those problems don't affect us. It's just that doesn't work anymore. So so communication with your kid is key. So I'd say that that's the, you know, number one, the gratitude list. Number two, building the team, having accountability around it. And three, I think this is, I really love this one. And it's a, you know, an integrity scan. And, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, looking at your life and, and, and picking the four or five, and this isn't anything that I came up with. This is a, you know, a lot of people talk about this, but you pick the four or five, uh, you know, descriptive words that, that you want to embody as a parent, you know, as a parent, who do you want to be? You know, is it, are you, you want to be known as, you know, are you tough? Are you stern? Are you loving, caring? Like, are you respectful? Whatever those, whatever those five key, you know, those five key words are attributes that you want to be forgiving, uh, whatever it is, look at those and then do a scan, you know, look at those and know that if you're operating in 100%, if you're, if you're operating in honesty, if your honesty is something you care a lot about, look at your last week and see how often you are honest with your kids. How often were you inside of integrity with who you really want to be as a parent? And how many times did you miss and, and this isn't about beating yourself up. We already talked about that earlier. This isn't about, you know, beating yourself up or being angry that you're not a better parent or anything. But it's important that we check in with ourselves and look at our behavior. And we actually really look at like, why, why was I so, why did I not handle that the way I wanted to? Why was it, why did I go off the handle on my son because of what he did? How could I have handled that better? Is that in, did I act in accordance with the way that I want it, with what I want my parenting style to be? And this is, like I said, it's not about beating yourself up, but it is about taking the temperature of where you're at and how you're performing as a parent uh, and as a person, right? We can do this at work, like in our lives. Like if you want to be, you know, the most, if you want to be the most honest friend and you look at your last week and you've lied to three of your friends, like 
you're probably you're outside of the integrity of who you want to be. So you're probably feeling some sort of dissonance in yourself because you just, you're not, you're not operating on your key fundamental values. So I would say those are three things that I all that, that I think would be great is number one, make a gratitude list. Number two, have a strong build or build a team around you, a strong accountability team. And number three, check yourself with an integrity scan and uh, really see where you're at and, and make the and then make adjustments as as you see fit. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. I love that. What are you reading or listening to that you'd recommend to our abundant leaders and why? Oh man, and and I I love I always love reading. And uh, to anyone that's listening and you guys are still here, I really appreciate you hanging out with us. And and you could follow me on at Philip Andrew LA on Instagram. Uh, I actually always do all of my books. Any book that I read, I always have a post on there. Uh, so the most recent books I just finished: uh, "Humble, Hungry, Hustle," which was a really uh, solid book um, by uh, let's see, Brad uh, Lomanick, I believe it is, and that was kind of a great leadership book. Um, finished uh, "Laws of Human Nature" by Robert Greene, which was one that I that was a that was a long read. That was a nice twenty eight hour audio uh, audio book, and that was great. Um, and uh, I, I like to try to jump all over the place. I read everything from. Oh, you know what? I will say this one for anyone that is, if anyone is listening and you're an educator uh, or as a parent and you just want to learn more about um, education in terms of how important our words are in the way that we phrase things to kids. Um, there is a, there's a fantastic book that actually a friend of mine who works for the LA County school system. Um, he, he told me about this book. It's called the power of our words. And it it was an absolute, you know, for me going into schools, not being a teacher, I still found so much value in this, in, in just understanding the way of framing the same, you know, you could have a sentence written five different ways. What's the most powerful way in the most helpful way to use those words. Um, And so the power of our words was something that was a book that I definitely probably would have never never came across. I would have never picked it up. It didn't jump out at me on a, on a bookshelf. I would have never read that book, but it came as a recommendation from somebody in the LA County school system. I read it and it was a fantastic book. Mm, Yeah. I love books like that. And I totally agree that our words are extremely important and how we phrase our, our questions and, and um, just how we talk to ourselves and others. Yes. What do you feel holds most people back from living a life of true abundance? Um, man, I think, you know, I mean, you can almost wrap it all up, right? Fear, shame, guilt, right? There we go. <laughs> fear, fear, shame, and guilt are probably, you know, that probably encompasses 95% of things, right? Like, you know, not feeling like you're good enough or feeling like, you know, the past things you've done where you've missed are represent, you know, our representation of where you're going in the future. Um, you know, I had this, I had this one, uh, this thing the other day, you know, I like to mess around and make art every now and again. And, and I had a space on my wall and I needed to do some artwork. And so I, I, you know, I made this painting and whatever, and, and I liked it and it was good and it came out good and it took me a day to make. And then I hung it in my living room. And so I get to walk past it every day. You know, I had one day's worth of work. I get my, like much more value and uh, appreciation out of it 
because I get, I put it somewhere that was visible in my life. So I walk past it every day and I see this piece of art that I did. And what I, it, it was interesting that I, I realized like, here's one day, just one day of work that has now provided me many days of happiness because I took my win. I took my accomplishment and I put it somewhere visible in my life to where I would see it constantly. Now, had I, had I made the painting and then threw it in, you know, and I put it in the closet, I wouldn't have that. If I put it in a garage, I wouldn't have that. And so it's important to not only put our, take the wins that we have in our lives and make them visible, but also it made me realize how often are we doing the opposite? How often are we taking a failure that we had or a mistake that we made? You know, how often are we reliving that in our heads? How often are we putting things that are reminders of that? You know, a reminder of a failure and we relive it over and over and over and again. And so what you take is one moment in life that was a a momentary mistake that we made, but we're letting it last forever. And it's like that's we need to be able to have short memories with those things. You are not your mistakes. You know, we we have the ability and also embrace the mistakes, see it as a learning. You know, it was a, a moment to learn and then we get to grow from it. And it no longer gets to be this negative thing in our minds. It's now a positive thing that we grew from and we, we moved on from. Um, so I think that that is something that if anyone, if that resonates with you and if you're sitting at home and, and you've had some failures in life and you feel like, ah, last time I tried, it failed and blah, like you can move on from that. And, and I would ask you, what are you getting out of hanging on to it? What are you getting out of hanging on to all those things? Because here's the thing. If it serves you, then keep doing it. If, if it's not serving you, stop. You know, Eric, Eric Thomas is a, is a speaker that I love. Oh, yeah. And, and E.T. had this thing where he said, you know, he was talking about complaining. He goes, hey, if every time you complained, you got $50,000 in an account, I would tell you to complain all day. Like I would tell you to go to the bank, open up your, open up the complain checking account and complain all day. He's like, but I've yet, I've yet to meet anyone that is getting massive benefits from their complaining. So what are you go? So why are we doing it then? Yeah. yeah and it I was like, it. I was like, Oh, thanks ET for shutting me down. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely, man. So what does being a man of abundance mean to you? I think it is being able, you know, obviously we hear so much about the difference between abundance and scarcity and, and having a mindset that there's not enough for all of us to go around and whether it's money and love and it's just this idea that things are going to disappear and we've got to hurry up and chase things and get it. And, and, uh, but the abundance I think is really about understanding that there's, there is so much out there. There's so much, you know, one of the things I always say is that my love, my love is not finite. You know, my love and my love grows as I give it. The more and more I, I share love with others, the more I receive. It's not a, it's not a, it's not anything that is, there's not a limit on how much love I can, can give. And when I look at that and I understand that, it, it, it goes against principles of what we learn about other things, right? Like, oh, you know, two plus two is four. And if you take one away, then you only got three. 
right? That's, that's seeing the limits of things. But for me, it's really understanding that like if love is something that I can give away to people and, and then it ends up like I double it and it feels bigger. Like there's something more going on. Like there's an abundance of love and I want to just make sure that I'm always viewing it in that way. Always being a man who wants to care first. You know, there's a, there's a prayer. There's a prayer that I love. That is the, uh, the St. Francis prayer. And it's very popular in, in recovery circles and whatnot. And, and it's just this idea of, you know, seeking to understand without needing to be understood, loving people and not needing to be loved. You know, it's about, you know, giving, offering, you know, offering thing, giving, just giving so much without needing to have it in return. And it's like, I find that when I am doing that, it fills me up. You know, it, it's like, I don't need the external, you know, I don't need the external things to fill me or I don't have the void that I'm trying to fill with external stuff. Um, I get filled from the inside when I am giving, when I'm letting things pour out through me to others. So I think, I think men of abundance, I think abundance is a mindset. It's totally a mindset um, of understanding that there is, there's more than enough to go around. We're in this together. Um, and so I don't know. I, I I don't know if that makes sense to to people, but I, I think it's a very, I think it's a very powerful word. Yeah, absolutely, man. So we are going to have your Instagram, Twitter. Both of those are Philip Andrew LA. That's We're going to have that linked up in the uh, in the show notes. We're going to have your blog linked up in the show notes. You got an audio blog as well. Uh, you've got philipandrew.co. We're going to have all that linked up in the show notes, guys. So don't worry about writing all that down. You can just go there and check that out. But Philip, what would you like to ensure that our abundant leaders get out of our conversation today before we close it up? You know what? First off, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's great connecting with you. Um, Secondly, you know, if you're still listening and you've hung out with us for this long, like, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You know, hanging out with us. I hope that there were some things in there that, that resonated with you. And if you're still here and you got something out of it, maybe it was just a long drive and work and you, you, didn't, you didn't want to mess your phone on and you're thinking, oh man, why'd I pick this guy? Uh, no. <laughs> but think of something right now. Like think of a fear or think of or, or a goal or, or something that you've wanted to act on. It's that, that thing that's been, you know, buzzing around in your head. Uh, you know, that idea that you have, or the phone call you need to make, or the that you know the first whatever it ends up being, you probably already have something in your head as you're listening to this. What is the first step you can take in the next hour? Better yet, in the next ten to fifteen minutes, what is a step, an actionable step that is not just thinking about it? What is is it writing it on paper? Is it picking up the phone, making a call? Is it sending an email? Is it, is it making a, a to-do list of those things? Whatever it is, whatever that thing is that's popping around in your head that you know you probably you want to go after or you need to, that you're afraid of, like knock the fear out. Think about what is one actionable step you can do in the next 10 to 15 minutes to start moving towards that goal and get it done. Love it. Absolutely love it, man. Excellent 
conversation. I really think that the the uh, everybody got something out of this, at least a little bit, especially if they stuck around this far. Uh, you're very captivating, and I greatly appreciate it. And I really appreciate what you're doing, man. Go out, live your life of abundance, and keep paying it forward because I know it's making a huge difference. Well, thank you so much, man. I, I really appreciate the uh, the encouragement, and uh, you have a fantastic day, man. And thank you for doing the work that you're doing. I think uh, you know it's incredible the consistency, the the level of care that in dedication that you bring to it is is really incredible. So thank you. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. Take care. All right, guys. So listen. First off, if you feel that you need help in your life. Reach out to others. Let others know how you're feeling, what you're going through. They are not mind readers, especially when you're very good at hiding what you're thinking, hiding what you're feeling. So many people around you respect you and love you more than you will even know. Many of them even rely on you. So get the help that you need. Ask for help. And pay close attention to the others around you. If you notice things are changing about them, they're giving things away or any of the telltale signs, or they're just acting a little bit different, then pull them aside. Even if they're not acting different, ask them the simple question, how are you doing today? I cannot tell you how many stories I've had here on Men of Abundance and other conversations that I've had where somebody walking down the street, a complete stranger, simply honestly and earnestly ask somebody, how are you doing today? How can I help you today? What can I do for you today? Literally, the other person broke down crying. They were in tears because that's all they needed was somebody to actually ask the question so that they could open up the conversation. When or if you ask that question and somebody reacts in a way that you know you cannot handle, then take them by hand and walk them to somebody who can help them. Now, Go out and live your life of abundance and make sure to pay it forward. That's all for today, Abundance Leaders. For more about our guests and the powerful information we shared with you today, be sure to sign up for our mailing list at menofabundance.com. We appreciate your time and look forward to hanging out with you on our next episode. So until then, be sure to pay it forward and live your life of abundance.